0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. This is A to Z Healing Toolbox. Tips and tools for navigating grief and trauma. I am your host, Susan Hannafin McNabb, social worker, educator, and author of the five-time award-winning guidebook, A to Z Healing Toolbox, a practical guide for navigating grief and trauma with intention. Together on this podcast, we will discover 26 powerful action-based tools and resources that will counter the negative effects of grief and trauma while assisting us in increased healing of the mind, body, and spirit. In each podcast episode, we will hear from inspirational guest experts in the fields of traumatic loss and bereavement, medical practitioners, mental health therapists, Best-selling authors, spiritual leaders, nonprofit founders, and everyday individuals who are learning to live in the light despite profound darkness. Thank you for joining me. A to Z tips and tools are yours to integrate on your personal road to healing. Healing Tool H, Higher Power Help. I used to believe that prayer changes things, but now I know that prayer changes us and we change things by Mother Teresa. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of A to Z Healing Toolbox podcast, where we discuss tips and tools for navigating the grief and trauma experience. Just a couple words about higher power help before I introduce you to my amazing guest, Sarah Rubel. Because symptoms of grief and trauma can be so varied and overwhelming, some form of prayer, meditation, or ritual that calls upon a larger force or God or higher power can help us in healing. There are numerous research studies linking prayer and meditation with overall wellness, that have been conducted, including Dr. Andrew Newberg's book, How God Changes Your Brain, Breakthrough Findings from a Leading Neuroscientist. The findings conclude that spiritual practices, even without religious belief, enhance the neural functioning of the brain in ways that improve physical and emotional health, and Intense, long-term contemplation of God and other spiritual values appears to permanently change the structure of those parts of the brain that control our mood. That is all I needed to learn about so I could dive further into my higher power and how that could possibly help me, even though for quite some time I threw everything I learned for the first 40 years about god the universe and higher power out the window i eventually came back around to understand higher power god or the universe in a whole new way sarah rubel is one person who also had a huge tran- transformation and i'd love to introduce you to her today When the love for a child goes far beyond the meaning of life and death, what do we do with all this grief and mystery? Sarah asks. Sarah Rubel is Scott's mom. Scott, Michael, Jesse, her only child transitioned suddenly at age 19 of natural causes that could never have been foreseen. Magically, through a profound poem found the day after Scott's funeral, Sarah knew his spirit was still very much alive. Today, she and Scott work together as he channels through her the deeper spiritual meaning of life, death, the afterlife, and particularly the power of the soul plans we make with our loved ones. Sarah is witness to the undeniable healing that can come from understanding the depth of our committed and collaborative soul relationships. She has been working as a presenter at dozens of national grief conferences, as well as the Helping Parents Heal Facebook meetings, where she shares her firsthand knowledge of healing with higher power insights, connection, and collaboration sarah's insightful blogs written with and channeled by scott are called death teaches and spirit teaches and they're housed at spiritteaches.org sarah rubel i am so happy to have you today on the podcast i know we've been trying to get this connected for how many years now sarah Six? I don't know. <laughs> Something it's been like a that. While. I know. Yes. So I, I love to start the podcast by just um, telling all the listeners how I met these wonderful guests. And you and I, however many years ago it was, six or so, we met initially through Tom Zuba, correct? Yes, yes okay and so for those of you who don't know tom zuba he is out there in the world helping families heal Um, he actually wrote the foreword to the a to z healing toolbox book and i know that you and tom have been connected for years so you and i were connected but never Live, we missed each other at a conference, and I missed getting you into my A to Z Healing Toolbox book because the message never got to you. So. The message
1: came, I never saw it, like for like four years or something. So it was shocking and right. sad,
0: very sad on my end. But here we <laughs> so are. Thank now. you for thank you for asking me. Thank you. Yeah, so here we are in 2023, and today we are focused on Healing Tool H, which is Higher power help and I wanted to bring Sarah on because Sarah you're so active in the grief and trauma healing community with bereaved parents just in general and I would love for you to just share a little bit of your journey with Scott I I kind of know you as Sarah and Scott not just Sarah so Sarah and Scott if you could just give the listeners a couple minutes of who is Scott and how is he in your life? no problem because I love, love
1: doing that. Uh, Scott's my only child and, um, just the easiest child to, um, have to raise. And, uh, he went to college and was studying the environment, very pro, um, you know, saving the world kind of thing. And he was just a very, very hard worker and Amen in college, so he wanted to go work in a national park for the summer. This was in 1990, um, 94, and so at 19, um, even though as his parents, we knew that he had a seizure disorder that started when he was 15, that came out of nowhere. This perfectly healthy child had a couple of seizures, and that was the beginning of that. But he was on a medication, a Dilantin, that seemed to get him through college, the first year of college, and he wanted to work in a national park, so. He went out, he got an internship at County National Park, which is in Gunnison, Colorado. And we were thrilled for him, got him out there safely, he would be there for the summer. College, college kids would be coming in from all over the country. And we thought just what perfect environment for him to be out in the environment. And so he got there on a Sunday. I, he told us not to call him. Oh, yes, we had no cell phones at that time in Back 1984. In 90s, that's right. We had no, so we had no communication like that. He gave me a phone number and said, don't call me. I'll call you. It's like, okay, I'm going to honor this, my 19 year old son. And so, but I did have that phone number. And so on a Wednesday night, he got there Sunday on Wednesday night, he called me and said, mom, I'm so sick. I wish you were here. And I knew right then that at 19, he would never do that. He didn't even want me to call him, let alone for him to want me, you know, to be there. I was in shock. So I just listened. I didn't want to ask too many questions because I didn't want to shut him down and talking with me. You know how a teenage boy
0: is. Yes, I do. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes. And so it sounded like to me he had strep throat, but he'd also been sick ever since he'd gotten there. And I to his stomach, sick to his stomach. And I figured that the Dilantin, the seizure medicine probably was not in his system. So I was like panicking inside, but I just tried to keep calm. He did have a doctor's appointment set up the next day. He was being being trained in this park, this national park, by the adults that were there. There were no other college kids that had come yet. He was the only one in a 10-room dorm. And he was supposed to be providing more of his own food than I knew. So um, he did go to the doctor the next day. Oh, but in the meantime, I did call the park that night, that one number that Scott gave me. And a mom answered. She just happened to be in there that works in the park that was training Scott. She knew he was sick. And I said, I don't think he even has seven up or anything. I don't know what he has. He's only been here four days. And she said, I'm gonna send someone over. If there's anything that seems wrong or really amiss, I'll call you back. So I was so grateful and relieved that someone knew, somebody else knew. So as it turns out, um, I didn't hear back from her that night. And the next morning, next afternoon, actually I talked to Scott. He'd gone to the doctor, he had strep throat, but he was eating and he sounded better. He sounded more at peace. And, uh, not so uncomfortable. And so we kind of briefly talked because now he was 19 and he didn't want to talk to mom anymore. Exactly. I understood. I let it go and, um, told him I loved him. He said he loved me and started the weekend. So I didn't hear from him over the weekend and I trusted I shouldn't. And then on Monday morning, Scott didn't report for training and they went to his room and they found he was gone. He had passed sometime over the weekend. They never checked on him the whole weekend, even though the adults knew, five adults, that he was sick. It was heartbreaking. So it was the beginning of my journey. Um, It turns out we did fly out there the next day and met with the doctor, the pathologist, and no one could have saved Scott. It was meant to be. It was seizures, strep throat, dehydration and elevation. So it's like the perfect storm came in and took my only child away. Uh, We were in shock, of course, in shock.
0: Right. So as I mentioned, I know you as Sarah and Scott, and there's a good reason for that because of all the work you do in the world now. And our healing tool focus today is higher power help. So here you are your only son has passed and what happened then to make you say, okay, I'm going to open myself up to the universe, to a higher power, to where do you go from there? And I guess I'll start there with that question. And then the second question would be, where can other people go who have that circumstance?
1: Well. Uh, I tell you, tell you the truth. Scott opened it up for me. So the week, uh, the day after his funeral, he died on a Friday. His funeral was the following Saturday, and on Sunday morning, I got up, teary eyed, blurry, but I, I, I felt I needed to go get some paper and write a letter to our community who had so supported us, you know, when we came back from Colorado and the kids, the teachers, the, you know, everyone from his high school, Scott had been senior class president just a year before and uh, they just loved him and they were wonderful. So I felt compelled. Don't ask me where that came from. I'm learning. I know now, but uh, it, I felt compelled to go and write this letter right then, because we had a small newspaper, city newspaper, I could have it put, you know, letter to the editor kind of thing and thank the community. So I went to this, the only paper I could think of at that moment was Scott's notebook paper, that there was still some there in a cupboard. And as I pulled out, the, it was still in the cellophane wrapper. So I pulled out two pieces of notebook paper. And the first piece was an actual piece of notebook paper. The second piece was a poem. I'll show you, it looked like this that came out of the package. I read this, which the title of it is, our children are like kites. And it goes on to say that our children, we let them out a little bit at a time, we bring them back in, and then we release them a little bit more so that they are able to soar and then able to fly. And so then in time, we know that it won't be too long before they will break that cord, that string, and go off and be on their own and soar as they were meant to soar. Free and alone, it says. Now, as I read this, it was shocking to begin with. But the incredible, most incredible part of this was there was a drawing at the bottom of the page with three kites that spelled May. And Scott died on May 20th. Wow. So when you consider the poem, the kites spelling May, me not knowing anything about spiritual connection, that was my opening. And I knew Scott was communicating with me.
0: Wow, so
1: that's where I began.
0: So you began there and did you have a string of events where Scott came to you internally and then you started writing or how did did this go down for somebody who's never had this experience of losing a loved one, does that just happen to everyone? Or did that just happen
1: to you? I didn't know at the time because I'd not known anybody that this has happened to, but in time, what I can tell you because I suffered greatly, I knew nothing, I wasn't hearing from him every day, or you know, I wasn't even I didn't even know what was possible. I was really clueless. But most people that this happened to are clueless. We we have not experienced this, we've not studied this, we know nothing about what this process is or how it will you know, move on in the future. So I was really at a loss. I did get counseling pretty quickly because I knew I couldn't do this on my own. But, you know, Scott was there and I would have amazing dreams every so often. I mean, maybe one a year that were very telling. He came back in a dream that showed me that he was there to show me that he was still with me, which was extraordinary. I didn't know that could happen, but I think it's very personal in in many ways. I think whatever the relationship is that someone has with their loved one, I think that's how they're going to be able to connect with them. I didn't, I didn't know this could happen. I didn't study it. I didn't work on it. I didn't go to mediums because mediums were like gypsies back in the nineties, right? It's like, don't trust them. Correct. So it's like, okay, I'm not going there. But I still, I was in counseling, a grief counselor. I was going every week for, you know, months and months and then, you know, lessened some. But I went, I continued with her for almost 10 years because I had nothing else. Like I said, no internet, no Facebook, no anything online for me to even Google and look for help. But I, I knew I needed to talk to another, another mom. I needed to talk to someone else. There were no support groups either. And I feel that support is huge in trying to find like-minded, suffering still people that we can connect with in a way. And so I saw an article in our newspaper, a local paper, that a mom in the next town, their child, had passed. And I got her address from the newspaper and contacted her and started a relationship that we're still friends 28 years later. And so that was the beginning of my friendship and knowing that I wasn't the only one suffering and confused and not knowing what to do. I I couldn't depend on this connection with Scott yet because I didn't know what to do with it. You know, he, he, he was in charge of that. He would come as needed for, I guess my journey, but I didn't know. And then eventually I started a parents group. Uh, The funeral home we used for Scott asked me if I would start a parents group and you know, I, and at that point, then I had a venue, I had a place that we could meet. And that was, I did that for seven years is reaching out to those parents. And I, I made lesson plans. It's like, I was a teacher. <laughs> I made lesson plans for every meeting because it's like, this is so important. And I want you to all to know this, this step and this step and what might happen and how we can help each other.
0: Well, so I feel the support is things- huge. Right, I agree with the support. And that's one of the things I love about you, you are constantly reaching a hand back to help other people. And, and when you're doing that, when you're helping other parents, are you helping them channel in your biography, you mentioned that you channel Scott, he comes through you. Are you helping other parents learn how to do that? Or are you holding the space for whatever comes?
1: I, I'm hel- I'm holding the space because I don't know what their journey will be. I mean, I've known hundreds of moms and dads, and that's my my area. And some of them have had very few moments of connection that they feel that. But on the other hand, even if they didn't have that, they were going off and starting foundations in their child's name. So they were starting a connection in that way. Not, I don't know that everyone's going to have a spiritual connection. I don't know if that's. I don't I've not I've known of such a variety of different people. So what I try and do is tell them what my story and what I've known and how slow the process was or what worked or what didn't work for me. But there's no, I never have an expectation for somebody that they're going to have my journey ever. I don't know I know they won't. But I don't know if they will have that connection with their loved one. I hope that they do, but I I kind of prepare them maybe just with an awareness that says this, if this happens, if you have a dream, write it down, keep a log, keep a journal, write these things down. Um, I started hearing music and I would, you know, I was sitting in the nail salon, getting my nails done. And it's like, oh my gosh, it sounds like Scott is singing right to me. Does anybody else in this room even hear this? It was so, so strong to me. Or I'd walk into Lowe's and Sarah, the song Sarah Smile would be singing. And it was like, this is for me. And so it was that kind of thing, but I want Really, everyone has to find their way through this individually, what works for them, what feels right for them, what their relationship has been with God is another piece of this. If it's a religious connection, if it's a belief in God, a non-belief, I believed in God. I went to church a lot as a child, but I really left without much of a belief system. And I literally said to God early on, I don't know what you did with Scott. But I'm not going to worry about you right now. I've got to go find him.
0: Wow, I love that. And have you come to a different place in your relationship with Scott and with God? And did those intersect at any point?
1: They have definitely merged. <laughs> yes i i use the I use the word spirit more than God, but I can interchange those. I, I believe that's all one. It's just the you know, whatever feels comfortable to someone. So I was telling someone recently about that, that I didn't, I didn't know what to do with God. I didn't, I mean, I knew he he had power. He, she had power, but I had no idea um, how, what I heard of God and loving and kind and good, and yet we're still going to have experiences here in the human body that all of that would come to me with a much greater understanding. And I don't know if you've heard that from other people before, but, or if it happened to you, but definitely for me, I I, I see it all as one in many ways. I don't have a religious belief. I don't go to church, um, but I believe in God.
0: That's so interesting. I'm glad you you mentioned that and you said, how is it for me? I've done a lot of research and a lot of work with people on post-traumatic growth. Mm -hmm. And one of the five pillars of post-traumatic growth is a spiritual change. And that could be a leaning toward even more the current, um, you know, God, universe, higher power that you believe in, or it could be a complete 180 degree turn and being closer or following something else um, in, a, in a ritualistic manner. Uh, but there's some transformation for most people that have come through a grief or trauma experience. And I find that fascinating. It is.
1: I now trust that this is a journey I feel that there's much more meaning to it than we could have ever put to it in the very beginning. I know your journey somewhat, you know, my journey somewhat and uh, many, many others that I've watched. I see, uh, I see movement. absolutely like you do. And, and where they, where we need to go with this. And it's uh, awe inspiring in lots of ways to see what can happen from this. There are others that struggle. I trust that that's their journey as well. Um, if they are not, getting what they feel they need. There can be, they can harbor angst or or anger or jealousy towards others. And, you know, that will be their journey. And how do they find their way through that or out of it if if they're going to?
0: I just want to read a little excerpt from a book that really helped me after Brent died. I don't know if you've heard of this book, but it's called A Grace Disguised and it's by a man named Jerry Sitzer. Are you familiar with this book? I read that years ago. Someone recommended it to me, but I'd love to hear what you- Okay, well, so the story is, so Jerry Sitzer was a professor of theology at a school in Washington state, and his wife was homeschooling their children. So the whole family got into a van, uh, Jerry and his wife and his mother and four kids. And on the way home from a I believe it was um, a Native American powwow, they were going to the wife was um, his wife was helping the kids learn about Native American culture. They came out of the reservation and there was a drunk driver coming down the road and there was a a fatal car accident. So in that one car accident, um, Jerry Sitzer lost his mother, his wife and one child. And so here's this man who's a theology professor. And someone gave me this book, and I i mean, for me, I was so angry at Brent for dying, number one, but at God for letting it happen, number two. And so I clung to this book because I thought, how does a theology professor explain this, right? And so he says, Over time, I realized that the trajectory of my grief had set me on a collision course with God, and that eventually I would have to wrestle with this most complex of issues. I knew I had to make peace with God's sovereignty, reject God altogether, or settle for a lesser God who lacked the power or desire to prevent the accident. So his whole book is about him reconciling and, and putting God or his higher power in, into a place that made sense after this tragedy. So for you, how have you used Scott, right, as a higher power and God or the universe as a higher power to be to come to peace within your own self and then reach back and help others? I feel the, there's
1: probably many different parts of this, but one of the parts is that uh, I learned about soul planning. I did not know about this at all for probably the first 13 years. I was I was still moving along in my journey with counseling and still helping people and, you know, signs and that kind of thing and reading, reading, reading like we need to. And yet um, when I read this book uh, that Robert Schwartz wrote, Um, about soul planning, discovering the life we planned before we were born. Um, It just opened me up. I, I, I underlined everything. I was turning pages down. I was circling page numbers. I was doing everything in this book seemed to be resonating with me in a way that was telling me, listen to this. I I've learned that the word resonate is so important, isn't it? For, because if it comes into your heart, it resonates, it stays, it, it uh, shocks you. It, It brings us to a new place or, it takes this just greater understanding. And so when I read this book on soul planning that we planned our lives before we were born, a lot of people really react badly to that. It's like, I would never ever do that. I would never, I understand that. Why would I, my only child, are you kidding me? And yet the more I read into that book and then Scott was filling the blanks in between the lines, I knew he wanted me to be reading this book and then I met Robert Schwartz and um, got to kind of see where he came from with that. And then Scott has continued to just shore me up with that because I do hear him all the time. We write, I'll be writing and I'm doing automatic writing as he's telling me more that I hadn't gotten from the book or hadn't read from anyone else. And this um, now to believe that I am, I, I have this life plan that I, and not everybody can take this, I understand. This has helped me tremendously though. So I do share it with a lot of people in, in a lot of what at the work that I do now, is to just understand that with this soul plan that we plan with our child, plan with my child, or someone plan with their loved ones before we were born, so that the human existent here here on earth would still be connected to spirit in some way, big time, actually, I should say. I now believe that whatever I'm going through, whether it's hard beautiful anything in between that this is an experience that I need. And so my husband who's ha- has memory loss now so my only child has died and now my husband has memory loss. We're heading in that direction. And so my first thought was th- I almost I, this is what I say all the time this too. so you're bringing me like God's spirit. you're bringing me this too. you think I can do this, right? And then I go, okay, I must be ready for this. It is calming. It is. It, it really m- blows my mind in lots of ways because it's so different than I ever was before. But it, there's a con it, within that concept, that knowing, it's like I'm not alone on this journey anymore. We're doing this together, the universe and me
0: and Scott. I love that. Just this too, right? Yeah. This too, and there's a reason. This too, and I can reach a hand back. This too, and I can still be connected to my son for you or my husband for me or anyone who's gone before. Now you've mentioned that you that Scott comes to you and through you, through writing, through music. What are some other signs people can watch for if their person has died and they're really, really wanting to connect or be open to connecting. What are some other ways they might see that happen or feel that happen?
1: Yeah. I have other, I have other ways too, that have come out of just a knowing. I just feel it, but it can be like, I, when I see a Hawk, I know that Scott's close. I know he's there. I know he's brought that. So it's like, and there's a book about the meaning, spiritual meaning of animals. And so anyone could just Google what is the spiritual meaning of a hawk or, you know, it's it's that kind of thing that has brought me to see more when I see, um, you know, there's so many different things I'm trying to concentrate on what that might be, because and I, I have friends that are doing the same thing that they all we almost brought something that seems very significant to us that. Um, that would be helpful to us getting through the day. Or like it's a, we. if I see a hawk, it's like, I'm not alone, but I know I'm not alone, but it's just a reminder. Um, I, Scott at one point through my counselor told me that I needed to walk every day. And it's like, okay, well, it's like Ohio. <laughs> and we go down really low sometimes in temperature, in snow and sleet and everything. Right. And yet I, I really did it dedicatedly for three years, almost every single day. And I learned to just look all around me and I would hear the birds like the cardinal would be singing to me as I'm walking along. Um, I would see a deer and it's like, it didn't run away. It just kind of looked at me and I looked at it and it's like, okay, I gotcha. And I, it was like, it didn't run away. It wasn't afraid of me. And so the science came through in, I mean, the messages came through just through nature. I love nature and I, I'm so glad Scott pushed me to walk because I, I absolutely love walking. I don't go out in the rain, but I will go out in almost any kind of weather now. And that's something I wouldn't have done. But I think it's, if we pay attention, if we're just looking and you might choose something, somebody might choose, I want it to be the cardinal, let's use that as an example. But if you're not seeing cardinals, if that's not, even though you think it's pretty and you like it's birds, you know, song, um, try and find something you feel an affinity for, because spirit is bringing that into your heart bringing that into your soul to say, this is, this is going to connect us. And uh, I, there's so many different ways that, that this can come. And yet I'm even at 28 years and hearing Scott and writing with Scott, I still love those signs. I still love when they come. It's just uh, exciting. It's, it's just another way of that communication that it's not like I need it to raise my spirits because I'm pretty calm, pretty, pretty happy now you know, with this relationship that I have with him. And so I'm so grateful for that. But I think individually, we have to we start looking for whatever it might be. If there's a certain song that you hear all the time. um, Yeah, through there was a song, I don't know if you remember it, One Sweet Day by Boys to Men and Mariah Carey. This was like in the 90s. And in it, it says, I'm shining down on you from heaven. And I, I I wanted to understand it, wanted to get it. I mean, somebody gave me the song. I played it in my car like 27 times a day. I was a sales rep too for Maybelline, so I was be traveling. And this one day that I was traveling over this bridge that I really wished the bridge would just buckle in the middle and let me go over into the water, was such a dark, dark day. That song was going over and over in my mind. You're you're smiling down and you're watching over me from heaven. And I my, was taken, my eyes were taken up to the left and I looked out the window. And through these dark clouds, there was this perfect circle in the sky with the sun and blue sky shining through that circle. It was mind-blowing. No one can make that happen. I don't, I mean, they took my eye to that place. The song was playing. It's like a setup. Yes. And when we start paying attention, we see more. And actually, we start to connect the dots. I mean, how many dots have you connected?
0: Well, I love, I love all of this that you're saying, because I think you're right on with being open. It may come in a way that you didn't expect. Right. Um, For me, I thought I was literally going crazy because I was hearing Brent. And here, you know, Brent died very suddenly, very tragically. He was missing for two weeks before they found him. I was a mess. I mean, I was in shock. I was all the things. And the first time I thought I am really losing my marbles here is when my brother and I went to pick up Brent's ashes. And I, here's me, I'm 41, no one has ever died in my life, and now I'm holding my husband's ashes. And now this is kind of a funny story, sick and funny all at once, right, because that's what we do in the world of grief and trauma healing. My brother said, well, you know, I, what do you think about going to the accident site? which neither of us had been to. And I just got this overwhelming feeling, even though that was the last place I wanted to be, that, that is what needed to happen. So I put the ashes in the container. You know, I had to put them somewhere so they wouldn't fall over. So my brother's driving the car and I put them just resting between my knees on the seat. Now, here's what I heard. Now, my husband had a hilarious sense of humor, okay? And here's what I heard, I kid you not, in the deepest, darkest place of grief and trauma that I've ever been, I heard, finally, I'm in the place I wanna be. <laughs> oh, that is great, oh, that's perfect. Now I thought, I am losing it. I mean, I would have bet money that that was Brent saying that and it actually was i found out later but i thought i am losing my marbles here so i pushed it away i didn't say anything to my brother even though i thought i'm really losing it and then a couple months later uh, my family and i flew from san diego to virginia beach to spend the holidays christmas holiday with my brother and his family i'm still first christmas without brent it was only a few months after i'm in a deep dark place i was sleeping in my nephew's bed everyone else was you know sleeping elsewhere and downstairs and i really similar to you i wanted the house to just swallow me up right like you on the bridge just take me i'm done i can't do this and upon waking up you know that place where you're kind of asleep kind of waking up that in between place i felt this for lack of a better word just a shot of joy a shot of positive energy a shot of pick me up and this particular song just blared through my head and reverberated through my body i hadn't listened to the radio since brent died i i couldn't do music he was professor but also a musician, an amateur musician. Um, I I couldn't do music, I had heard nothing and this song, uh, which was my favorite song and Brent was the only one who knew that by James Taylor, um, just blared through my body. It was that whenever I see your smiling face I have to smile myself because I love you. That song, right? And and I'm, you know, I'm in the deepest, darkest place. And what is this? I mean, I, and things like that kept happening. I kept hearing Brent say something. I kept hearing his humor. I kept hearing a song that only he knew, you know, back from the eighties and nineties, like the genre of music that uh, we would listen to together. And, And I couldn't deny it anymore. And that's when my intersection, my anger at God got a little bit less. And I opened the door a little bit more to, okay, what is happening here? There there's something going on here. That's way bigger than me. And so similarly, it sounds like for you, that intersection of, okay, Scott, what's happening, God universe, there, there's some bigger stuff here.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, it it took me time, um, but I never gave up and I kept plugging along and Scott never gave up either. And so to you, when you take all that together and it becomes really undeniable, as you found out, then it just feels more plausible that we could survive, right? That we can make it through this because there's something more going on and it doesn't just have to be such hard. I mean, it's still hard every single day. There is and even the word joy. I took the word joy out of my vocabulary for at least 10 years because Scott was my joy. Um, he didn't push me to do that, but it's back. And uh, I, I understand that everything will come as, in perfect timing. And if joy wasn't meant to come back to me, then well, it wouldn't have, but it it did. And even though I made a, a concerted effort to keep joy of my vocabulary and I didn't want to hear about it. I didn't want a Christmas card. It's like, I don't want that. And yet I have. it has come. And I, so I trust the journey and Scott gave me those words, um, years ago to trust the journey. I've done workshops that, you know, just really on that. It's like, let's learn to trust this journey. It's, it's hard. And yet when I I believe that whatever I need to go through in this life is going to show up now, even with Scott's Death being a part of that, that was a part of my life for me to grow, for me to see myself in ways I never have. And I I can look back now. When you're going through it, you can't always see those connecting dots. But I can look back, and I'm sure you, Susan, can too, look back on what you have done since that day and who you have become that you never would have become if this hadn't happened to you. And we would all say, well, that's okay. I didn't want this to happen. I don't care how what I'm doing. But you, you, know, you get to a point where you do accept that and go, I like who I am and I'm amazed that I've been able to do the things that I've done that I never would have done, I've never, never ventured into. And yet I've been pushed into it or brought to it. It's been brought to me and i cherish that i honor that because i i want to honor scott in any way that i can and you know like with with brent you're honoring him in everything that you do you're honoring yourself and i'm honoring scott originally but now i feel like i'm honoring <clears throat> excuse me myself and who
0: i needed to become through this journey yes i love that I love that so much. And I just wanna thank you so much for coming on the podcast and giving hope, really. I mean, that's what you do and all the work you do with bereaved communities. I know you're active with Helping Parents Heal, uh, the blogging. Tell us, first of all, thank you for coming, but also tell us where can people find you if they wanna connect? Where can they read Sarah and Scott? Well, I don't have a published book
1: <clears throat> but I do have two published blogs online. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, Scott pushed me to do both. I said, I don't want to write a blog. I don't know how to write a blog. This was in 19. This was in 2015. We will help you at every step of the way. I was shown friends came in meeting new people. So spiritteaches.org is my website and both those blogs, the one's called Death Teaches, which is the original one. There's probably about 80 blogs there that um, are channeled telling my story, but channeling with Scott. And there's always a message to the reader. I'm, I did, I mean, it was never intended for me just to tell my story without having it have meaning and being a teaching tool. And that's always what Scott wanted it to be and needed it to be. So we have those and though at some point in time, then Scott said, okay, we're done with death teaches. Now we're gonna start writing spirit teaches. So on the blog, the both of those are on there. And I think there's probably a total of about a hundred different blogs. And we we ask things like, is life, you know, what about fair and unfair? and so it goes through that explaining about why we think this is so unfair. We think life should be fair as humans, right? It's it's not it's not fair if it's not fair, right? And it's unfair. So he explains so many different um pieces to our journey. I I I mean the first the first ones we wrote there's like there can be like um mistakes. And I might have two, two twice or something. And it's like, they were teaching me how to type with spirit at the helm. So there's, there's some errors there, but you can get the message. And the beautiful thing is that people could ask questions at the end of each blog, and then we responded to them. And so there's even more clarity. There's a ton of information on those that I'm very proud of that I was pushed to do. I was kind of fighting. And yet now I see the results and I see why. And so I'm beautiful. Grateful.
0: So, Death teaches and Spirit teaches, and you're also active with Helping Parents Heal. Yes. And are you doing national conferences still as well? Um, I, in 20, well, when COVID came, I was planning to do Helping Parents
1: Heal. I, I did do the 2018 Helping Parents Heal conference. And then um, I did Compassionate Friends and Brief Parents of the USA. I did those online for 20 and 21, 19 and 20 and 21. And then, um, but now with my husband, I'm not going anywhere. So I'm staying home and doing, I'm doing Zoom meetings and and that kind of thing for the soul planning. That's become kind of the subject that they have brought me to, that I need to really express and help others understand. So I won't probably be at any conferences, um, but it has been wonderful doing that. And I met thousands of wonderful people.
0: <laughs> Fabulous. Well, I can't wait to see and hear what else you have going on as far as your uh, soul planning in the future. And I think to to wrap everything up, I'd love to just say, I think it's so beautiful that how many years later, Scott is still with you? Very right. present in my life. Right. And, and Brent is still with me 10 years. And for you, it's been how many years now? 28. 28. So our people are still here with us. And I I have to share this one last thing with you. Last night I was having sushi with a friend and I was talking about my work and I was talking about Brent and I looked in my cup and the tea, there was something in the bottom of my cup and it was a heart. And I thought, what, what is happening here? It was, a I kid you not, it was a heart. So I look and I take the cup that my friend was holding and I kind of look inside there's no heart there I thought maybe there's a heart on the bottom of every teacup no and I look again sure enough there's the heart and I said to him look at the bottom of my cup and he looked and his eyes got really big and I said this is the kind of stuff that happens to me and the tea the tea particles had formed into this huge heart on the bottom of my teacup while I'm talking about Brent. I mean, I'm sorry, that's not a coincidence.
1: <laughs> there are no coincidences. And, and I, it's almost like you have to see it to believe it, yes. right? You have to see it to believe it. Yes. And I love that for you.
0: Good job, Brent. Good job. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I appreciate Brent and Scott for bringing us together. And thank you so much for sharing your story today. This will live on. So thank you so much, Sarah. Well, thank you, Susan. What a pleasure to be with you and to see you. Love you. A to Z Healing Toolbox offers professional trainings, live and virtual workshops, podcast interviews, healing guidebooks, speaking engagements at conferences nationwide, small group virtual support, and solo sessions individually tailored to meet your unique needs. Books can be found on the a to z Healing Toolbox website, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, and your local bookstore. If you would like to connect with Susan and join a small group for virtual support or schedule a solo session, please contact Susan at A2ZHealingToolbox.com.